Maximus Decimus Meridius, Commander of the Armies of the North, General of the Phoenix Legion. Steven, we've done it. We have done it. Happy anniversary, Nate Baranowski. Happy anniversary. It is our paper anniversary, styrofoam anniversary. I don't know mm. when people celebrate. If you go by episodes, it's our golden anniversary because we're at 50 episodes. May I just say pure gold? Gold. Yes, we have made it an entire year. 50 episodes, Nate. It's amazing. It feels great. I think feels like the first time. Well, anyway. you, know, well you know what that song's about. Now, oh, never mind. About Continue. <laughs> please, please go ahead with what you're saying. Here's why I love it. I love it because of two things. One. I have, as an Enneagram 7, mm. stuck with something routinely for a whole year. <laughs> and the perseverance that that has shown and the stick to itness yes. uh, is impressive to myself. Yes. Number two, I still enjoy doing this podcast with you, Stephen. Nate, I couldn't agree more. I still enjoy doing this every week. I also feel accomplished. But you know what I'm even more grateful for, Nate? Tell me, tell me what you're grateful for. The Mott's family. Mm. Nate, we have... A community of listeners that we love. We love you, listener, because we hear from you. You slide into our DMs and talk about our top fives, mm. and then you uh, you text us, and uh, we appreciate it. We love that you listen and that you enjoy the show. And uh, you tell us the things we do wrong. That's right. It does feel like a family. <laughs> you tell us that Cool Ranch Doritos are not the best, even though you're wrong. We still <laughs> forgive you. We've also had some great guests on our show, Nate, over the past year. We have We've had your brother. We've had Tom Thomas, Tom Bombadil, mm-hmm. had Matthew Glover, Ben Lopez, Drew Kaufman. Your wife made a quick medical guest appearance Yes, for our, our medical drama episode. And, <laughs> and just to do a little tease, I think in this next year of podcasting, uh, look for my wife to make a, an actual debut. Yes, I am very excited for that debut. I am both excited and nervous. <laughs> Because then she <laughs> yes, gets to and- hear your voice live, which she never gets to hear. Oh. So I'm worried you're going to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but your brother also, and I think he's going to make a, a future appearance on the show. Yes, yes. And so now that we are entering our second year. Mott's season two. Mott's season two, that's right. Should I do the season thing? No, I like the idea of just keeping the numbers going up because then it looks yeah, more yeah, impressive. Yeah. Mm, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. 50, 50 is a lot. Listen, a year from now. Could be a hundred episodes, one hundred movies of Mots. Wow, that's exciting! It's very exciting. Yes, but listeners, we have something that we would like to ask of you. Don't worry, we're going to get to our wonderful movie for today. Which, because it's our fiftieth episode, we did fifty first dates, originally titled Fifty First Kisses, and we're going to top five our own top fives, mm-hmm. and we're going to do our our top five worst movies that we've reviewed on this podcast and uh, i'm excited for that too absolutely but first nate you have <laughs> constructed a wonderful uh, system here that i would like you to uh, to talk about to our family well thanks steven thanks for giving me the honor thanks for giving me the honor to stand up here and um i worked a long time on this um a lot longer mm. than uh, it would seem <laughs> okay um, based on what i'm about to say but right, right. mott's family those who listen to movies on the side, yes, we have an exciting new rollout <laughs> at the beginning of season two. That's right, version 1.0. <laughs> we have a new update. That's right. And now we have 
like every good family. What does every good family have, Stephen? They have levels where you have your favorites, <laughs> right? No, wait exactly. a minute. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, right. Some of you have been involved in marketing from reputable companies. Now, these marketing companies may have multiple levels to them. <laughs> and we have learned from the likes of essential oils. I don't know. I don't can't name yeah. the companies. Monavita. It works. <laughs> Shampoos and stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Where you've all had that friend that posts on Facebook and mm. says... I would love you to try out this new foot stone scrubber because it has helped me so much. Here's a picture of my foot with all the corns on it. And now look at my foot, baby smooth. And listener, if that's you, we love you still. Don't we worry. love you still. I did not buy any of your, the, your foot stones. I'm so sorry. But we have taken multi-level marketing to the next level because mm. here at Movies on the Side, we have created levels for our Mott's family. Why, you ask? Because we want you to get the word out and do the work for us. <laughs> Is that how multi-level marketing works? Yeah, because, I mean, like, if you don't have enough people in your marketing right. department, you're like, we'd rather use our minions. And so now, Mott's family, mm. I have created, through a lot of Googling back and forth, levels for the Mott's family based on how much you help us and our podcast. <laughs> I like this. Here we go. Level one. This is, I don't think of it as the lowest level. Think of it as no, no, the no. first level of a giant pyramid. <laughs> Here we go. Level one, the Sapphire Sea Slug. If you want to be on the first floor of this giant gemstone pyramid, mm. all you have to do is follow us on Instagram or Twitter and comment on them. That's right. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear you exist. So basically, as a Sapphire Sea Slug, you just make your presence known to us and the world. That's right. Level one, easy. Anyone can be a Sea Slug if they work hard enough. Level two, the Topaz Toucan. Now, as you move up this, uh, we'll call the shape of pyramid. As you move up it, mm -hmm. you have to complete the task of the one before. You just can't jump to uh, toucan status. That's right. So Correct. you, this means you have already commented on Instagram and Twitter. And as a toucan, you must rate and review. Must is such a strong word. You get to rate and mm. review our podcast on iTunes or wherever Google has podcasts. Mainly Apple Podcasts, and the reason why we say that, Android users, we know, Jacob, you're one of them. We do love you. But not as much. Well, here's the thing. A lot of podcast apps like Stitcher and iHeartRadio, they put podcasts higher in search results based on the Apple, Apple Podcasts rating. Mm. Based on the Apple Podcasts rating. So the reason why the Apple one is important is because it affects all these other platforms. That is why. It is the barometer yeah. for the others. Mm, that's right. Share with us the third level. The third level is the Ruby Raccoon. Now, as you can see, these animals are moving up in size as well. That's right. Right. The ruby raccoon, here's what you must do. Do everything that a sea slug does. Mm -hmm. Do everything that the That's toucan right. does right below. And on top of that, on Twitter, you tag us or at us. That's right. You at. Movies on the side. That's right. And say how great we are. Mm -hmm. Not because you're making it up, but because you actually mean it. 
And as a That's right. level three Mott's family member, we hope you mean it. That's right. Ruby Raccoon. Level four, we're moving up. We're at the Pearl Platypus now. Mm, the only mammal that lays an egg. Mm-hmm. So you know it's special. Now, not everyone will get to this level. This is not for the faint of heart. This means That's you've right. done everything before it. Plus, on Twitter or Instagram, you will tag us, movies on the side, yes. mm-hmm. and include a picture maybe of yourself listening mm. to our podcast maybe you have the artwork in front of you yes. something like that yes. however you listen to it and you're basically saying having such a great time it's like posting a vacation picture but a vacation for your ears <laughs> the pearl platypus level four now love it we're getting to the diamond dingo which is level five mm. and the second to last level. You're almost at the top of this triangular 3D shape. Here's what you do. Now, this is when you start risking losing friends. So we mm. know not everyone's <laughs> going to get to this. But here's what happens. You've done everything before this, which at this point in time hasn't cost you anything. But at the Diamond Dingo level, at level five, you tag a couple friends in your post and you tell them to listen to Mott's and all of a sudden some friends may unfollow you. You may lose some in this, mm. but you get to be a diamond dingo at the end of the day. And guess what, Steven? What's that? On our podcast, yes. when people reach a certain level, we will announce it. So you That's will right. become instantly <laughs> respected amongst the Mott's family. <laughs> So you may lose... I thought you were going to say famous. <laughs> make new friends and keep the old. One is silver and the other is Mott's family gold. Listen, we will personally DM Dwayne The Rock Johnson with your name. <laughs> and Can't promise he'll see it, but we will do it. And sadly, he's only a Sapphire Sea Slug level, but he's got some work to do. He's very busy, so I understand. He's a busy guy. That's right. So at this point in time, you're full in on the pyramid. But if That's you right. want to be the very top... Steven, announce what the very top level is. The very top. I really I enjoy it. You would think diamond is the top, but no. You think That so. is incorrect. No. Because. False top. That's right. You thought there was a glass ceiling, but you broke through it. Yep. Because you have achieved the level of the emerald elephant. That's a good one. I don't know. We don't know if anyone will ever make it to this level. We just put it on there because, I mean, you got you to dream. You got to have an aspirational level. There's a level, Absolutely. you know what I mean? It's like saying you're going to be a billionaire uh, selling Mona V. Listen. It's like you're going to have the Mary Kay Cadillac. This is our Mary Kay Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> Tell our listeners what they have to do to achieve the emerald, the prestigious level of emerald elephant. To become an emerald elephant, you must first be a sea slug, then a toucan, then a ruby raccoon, then a pearl platypus, then risk friendship in a diamond dingo level. And finally, you have risen above all of those and you are now an emerald elephant. And to get here, all you must do is you have to tag more than seven people in the post where you tell them about movies on the side. You must thank them for helping you achieve this highest level. Mm. And then you sit back and watch the riches pour in. Profit. Because you are at the top of the pyramid. You know, seven's the number of completion. Did you know that? Right. And yet we only have six levels because I didn't think that through all the way. So, (laughs) well, maybe there's an unspoken level above Emerald that we couldn't even say on the air. Or there might be an even lower, like (laughs) the 
agrophoric algae or something like that. Oh. Where, I mean, you, you're a list. You listen. You listen. We have not heard from you. We don't know your name yet. Amethyst algae? Mmm, I like it. Yes, the amethyst algae. Just be, you're, if you are listening to our voice right now, you have already achieved level one. You're an algae. Because you got to the end of this section. That's right. Now, listeners, we would like to be real for a moment. This is all real. We do want you to do all that. Oh, absolutely. And we will definitely mention you on the air. But the truth is, Nate and I love doing this show. And we would like to do it, I think, for a long time. Yes. And we would like for more people to listen to the show. And then one day, maybe even have something like a sponsor or Patreon supporters, things like that. So we could do this for a long time coming. That is our desire because we love doing this and we love you. Listen. And I will give one other semi-serious pitch. I show up uh, behind the curtain here. I show up and I record, which takes me about an hour every week. Steven uh, manages all our social media stuff. He edits this podcast and he puts in a lot more work um, than I do. And so when it comes to thinking about doing this uh, podcast into uh, perpetuity, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. we'd like to think that the hours he spends editing and making this podcast um, that it could be someday worth it for him. True, but I do. I love doing it. But anyway, this multi-level marketing scheme, I mean this pyramid, I mean the <laughs> levels of gemstone animals are real. We hope that you would all achieve these, listeners. We hope you enjoy the show. We really hope uh, you have fun and laugh. And uh, and someday, if, th- if this catches on, that's right. I may make little uh, brooches, <laughs> little little icons. Where we can maybe give back to you to show your level that you're at. Nate, I would like to share a quick dream of mine for this podcast. I see you and I on the red carpet, both in a tuxedo, standing next to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Mm. repping movies on the side. Pushing our hands into the concrete of the Chinese theater. Mm. You know, Adam Sandler actually has his handprints on the Star Walk of Fame. And if he can do it. Anyone can. Let's talk about a movie, Nate. Let's do it. That's why we're here. For our 50th episode, we did 50 First Dates starring Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. Give me the Rotten Tomatoes for this. I'm very curious. The Rotten Tomatoes for 50 First Dates. This movie came out in 2004. It is a 45% critic rating, 65% audience rating. And I have heard people talk fondly about this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, people remember this in that rose-colored glasses vein, I believe. Yes, as did I. Richard Roper had this to say about Fifty First Dates. This movie paints itself into a corner from which it cannot emerge without becoming an utter disaster, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. But, surprisingly, Roger Ebert... Loved it. ...was a little more gracious to it. He actually gave it three out of four stars. Three out of four, Nate. I want you to think about that. Roger Ebert... The famous movie reviewer said, As entertainment, it's ingratiating and lovable. It suggests that Adam Sandler, whose movies are so often based on hostility, has another speed, another tone, that plays very nicely. I have a feeling you don't share his sentiment. Steven, I have maybe never before on Movies on the Side, in a year, been as conflicted about a movie as I am today. I have to agree, Nate. The first 45 minutes of this movie were cringeworthy and 
terrible. Okay, let's look. Can we just start at the beginning? Can we let's start at the beginning of this movie? I know we usually don't go through chronologically, but no, no, we no. Both saw this yesterday, mm-hmm. so it's so fresh that I feel like I could like summarize this movie. Yes. Can we just start with the opening sequence? Of all of these ladies and Kevin James in there randomly <laughs> talking about how they had this magical time in Hawaii with this like Casanova. Right. <laughs> Henry Roth. Henry Roth. It was magical. And then we show, we see that it has been Adam Sandler this whole time. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Henry Roth. Why didn't you tell me you were a secret agent? I prefer intelligence operative, and I couldn't tell you until I thought I knew you. And then we see actual Adam Sandler next to a seaplane telling a lady that he's a secret agent. Do you find this believable, Stephen, that Adam Sandler is this, like, suave ladies' man? No. No, I do not. This is not the only time in a movie that Adam Sandler has done this. (laughs) Right. Right. I feel like in Just Go With It, he also was like, I think maybe even in Click. Yeah. I guess he was already married to Kate Beckinsale. (sighs) My first note is Adam Sandler is immediately intolerable. That is how I felt (laughs) when he first came on screen. First of all, Drew Barrymore and him have done three movies. Yes. Now, they've done three romantic comedies. Can I name them? Oh, yes. Please go ahead. I think it's Wedding Planner, this one, and Blended. That is correct. Okay. I have not seen either of the other two. I just saw Wedding, Wedding, did I say Wedding Planner? I meant Wedding Singer. Well, yeah, the other one's Jennifer Lopez, but we understand. Yeah, yeah, a much better movie. But there is a People article, the People magazine, from just 10 days ago that interviewed Drew, Drew Barrymore. Yes, I read this too. Did you? <laughs> she yes. loves. She loves doing movies with Adam Sandler and wants to do another one. Right. I was honestly surprised. But I also saw that Adam Sandler... Apparently, very nice guy to work with on set. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can believe, but I don't know. He must be extremely nice. We have a bunch of problematic characters also in this movie. Oh, my goodness. Rob Schneider. Do we ever. Rob Schneider. The most. The most problematic. (laughs) So problematic. And I want to take this point to appeal to an ongoing segment of this show that you specialize in, which is Accent Corner. Between Rob Schneider's character and the character Alexa... And Samwise Gamgee, which I forgot was in this movie, Sean Astin. Yes. How do you feel about the accents in this movie, Nate? You crack me up, Carmina. Oh, yeah? You know, one of these days, yeah. you're going to show one of those tourists such a good time. She's going to stay on the island, bro. Movie, oh, Nate. my. So, Rob Schneider is going for, uh, like, uh, a, <laughs> would you say, a native Hawaiian? Hawaiian? A Pacific Islander? What is his... It's supposed to be a native Hawaiian. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's supposed to be, I think. That, in general, is just, like, just very troublesome. I am not I am not an accent expert, but I felt like he flowed between Native American, uh-huh. Mexican, poor excuse for Pacific Islander. Yes. And maybe sometimes a southern accent. It was everywhere. It was a moving target. It was everywhere. And I, I think the thing that I probably disliked most about his role which is basically like i i disliked everything about his role in this movie <laughs> is that right. it was all meant to play as a gag like it was all a gag right so like right. using an accent which okay i would also say that that's what they did for sean astin and he has a lisp in this movie that i think is just meant to be he probably just started doing it on set and adam sandler's like yeah, yeah, yeah keep that that's really funny I understand when accents are used for, for humor, 
But there is something about like, yeah, this is a people group that you're just like yeah. doing really, really poorly. And you're actually meant to be from there. You're not just like, you find out later like, oh yeah, this character isn't really uh, Hawaiian. <laughs> like I would have been a lot better yeah. at the end where like Adam Sandler turns to Rob Schneider. I was like, you're from Iowa. Like, why are you, <laughs> what are you trying to do? Are you pretending? The thought I just had as you were saying this, I feel like Adam Sandler is having all these peripheral characters do his dirty work, <laughs> doing the bad accents and the overacting yes, and the poor performances so he doesn't have to. And he basically, for the most part, plays a straight character. <laughs> right. He's pretty straight-laced through the whole thing. You're right. But then he has he has the Sean Astin, like, hey, get in this mess shirt yeah, yeah. and uh, be ridiculous the whole time. Now, I, I found... The is she doing a German accent? His Alexa, assistant. She's like the... a Scandinavian Ukrainian oh, okay. something. Yeah, something okay. like that. Yeah. The I'll I will be honest. Out of all these side characters, I found one of every four things they said and did kind of funny. Maybe minus Rob Schneider. Yeah. But I found like the visual gag of her diving into the fish bucket <laughs> to to yeah. get out of fish. Like, I think her visual fine. gags were actually pretty funny, her running around. Yeah. But the thing she said, not really funny, very, like, teenage humor. And the only other part of the I really liked from Rob Schneider is when Drew Barrymore uh, thinks that he's beating up Adam Sandler, and she attacks him with a bat <laughs> and just races him down and beats him with a metal bat. Which is maybe what the audience wanted to do to that character, the whole movie. <laughs> I legitimately laughed at that scene. What's your name? My name's Henry. You did good. Hi, sorry. I'm in a community watch program. And- yeah, keep running! Okay, okay, he's, he's gone. Yeah, and that, didn't, so, that was more of a visual gag. It didn't involve Rob Schneider talking, I think, which was the best. <laughs> right. So the, the premise of this movie, if you have not seen it, is that Drew Barrymore got into a car accident and now... Every evening when she goes to sleep, forgets the previous day. And every morning she wakes up believing it's this October date from a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so she only remembers what happened. Like after a day has passed, mm-hmm. her memory resets, mm-hmm. which I found out after doing a little research, mm-hmm. this kind of memory illness is not a real thing. Not a real thing. Like, no one can do No one can have this 24 hour reset every day. Right. Some sleep people and have a few sleep and reset. Yeah. Right. So there's a few weeks sometimes that people will have that short term loss. And sometimes there are like seconds, but this 24 hour, the premise is not true, but that's fine. It's just a plot device. Sure. So we get to the place where Adam Sandler meets her in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. They have breakfast. They have a great time. She smells his hands. She smells which his never hands. Doesn't, which never isn't weird. Right. And we have this, Adam Sandler and her have this day where they enjoy each other and love each other and get to know and whatever. And the next day he realizes the problem and the restaurant waitress lady and the guy tell him what's up. Yep. We meet the father, we meet the parents. Anyway, what I want to get to is the first 45 minutes of this movie, I was safely saying, uh, I'm going to blast this movie for being terrible. Adam Sandler is so annoying. And then you hit that 45, 50 minute mark. And all of a sudden, it's like, ah, they got me. Yeah. And I actually yeah. started feeling things and thinking about things. Steven, I missed it up a little bit last <laughs> night when watching this movie. Nate, I did more than missed. There were a couple scenes where I like teared a single or two or three tears. I think when we see Drew Barrymore's father and her brother, Sean Astin, the first time we see them 
reset the house yes. to keep playing this day game. They have the newspapers from that day. They have a bunch printed up. They get a pineapple for the dad's birthday. They mm-hmm. paint over that barn or whatever that Drew Barrymore paints every day just so she feels like it's the same day. And seeing their face when they walk into that barn, knowing they have to paint it all yep. over again, it was kind of heavy. And it was like, wow, okay, that's something. Oh, I think the scenes where, where she discovers where she discovers that it is like, this is all not real and it's a year later after her accident yes and they're like that's a bad day and they show her like the the scrapbook of her accident and she's crying and stuff right it, i thought that was really touching it was and the first time she sees the video that adam sandler makes you know uh-huh. her family's skeptical like i don't know about how this is gonna go but the first time she sees that video like i teared up a little bit like that's kind of crazy Aloha, I'm Henry Roth. Uh, we met here at the Pukilau Cafe about a year after your accident. Um, I like you and you like me, most days. Every day is different, but basically this is what happens, Lucy. Yep. And, and the movie actually gets a heart, which honestly made me more mad than anything, because I was like, I so wanted to just, you don't deserve this. Right. And then there's actually, there's some really funny lines. I think it's after she sees the video for the first time. She comes back. And asks Adam Sandler. So, how's the cow? Same as you. Every day they have to convince her she's a cow. <laughs> That's a pretty good line. Pretty good. Like, pretty good. That is not bad. It got me after that point. And then they get to the point where she overhears Adam Sandler say, you know, he wanted to go on this year-long boat trip and he's not sure what to do now. And she tells him, let me just forget about you. Let me destroy everything that I have, you know, the journal and everything. Right. And you just go on with your life and right. I'll never know the difference and we'll just go our separate ways. And then Adam Sandler gets on this boat that he's been trying to fix the whole movie because he's going to go on this year-long sailboating trip. To Antarctica? Is he heading south? I don't know if it's south or north. He's heading somewhere cold. Somewhere cold to study walrus eye or however you, <laughs> sure. however you pluralize walrus. And there's a scene where he's sailing away and Drew Barrymore's dad gave him the CD of the Beach Boys, which is the song that she always sang. Uh-huh. And Adam Sandler ruins the scene. By doing his like overacting terrible cry. Yeah, he can. Yeah. It, it's like he can't really cry and he just yells and squints his eyes, you know? The, okay, let's talk about Adam Sandler for just a second before we get to mm. the end of this movie. When Adam Sandler is legitimately like showing him, like he can show em, like emotions and it can be like great. Yes. But it's almost like. There's a reflex in him. Years of like Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. yeah. Like there must be something in the back of his head that goes like, this is not why people want to see you in the movie. They want to see you like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah." (laughs) That's exactly what it sounds like. And so, and I do not, I do not like that part of Adam Sandler. I do not like the crazy, the crazy goofiness. Like, I don't know. That was never my type of humor. Maybe it came a little like I watched those movies a little late in life. I so like moments like that that should be really touching. He like has to make the scene a little funny. I think in his mind, yeah, it can't be too serious because he has like probably in the back of his mind he goes like, well, people still want to like laugh because I'm Adam Sandler. Yeah, and it's a shame because he does have moments. And you know, one of one of the trivia's first of all, he was the second highest earning actor in 2011 and 2012. Second. Only to Leonardo DiCaprio, which I found astonishing. What did he do in 2011, 2012? I don't know. I mean, he did actually start doing more Grown serious ups? roles. 
Was it well, was, was he, Click but, then, or was that too late for Click? Uh, I'm not sure, but he he did a cus a couple serious roles. I also saw he was actually slated to be in Collateral opposite Tom Hanks as the taxi driver. Tom Cruise. But he turned. You it get those down. wrong all the time. Tom Cruise. Oh my god! Why do I always do that? Anyway, yes, <laughs> Tom Cruise. But he turned it down, and then Jamie Foxx took the role, and then Jamie Foxx was nominated for a an Oscar. I don't know. I guess he did some some better things later, which I had just I had not really seen. He has some really good moments, like good acting moments, good emotion moments. But yeah, he often kind of ruins it sometimes. Yeah, but if you can like think back on this day and just think of remember how hot Adam Sandler was. He did over right. the course of five years, Bulletproof, which kind of had its ups and downs. He had Billy Madison. Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, The Water Boy, Little Nicky, The Animal, Punch Drunk Love, Mr. Deeds. Yeah. That's all in the, you know, over the course of five years. Those movies were huge. Yeah, they were big. They were big. So anyway, 51st Dates. He turns around and finds Drew Barrymore now teaching and living at like this institute for memory lost people. And Drew Barrymore shows him the room where... She paints tons of faces, tons of his face. Creepy, 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 creepy. (laughs) It is a creepy room. But she says, I dream about you every night. And uh, they get back together. And the final scene, she's, they're on this boat in Antarctica. She wakes up, watches the video, which I did Mm -hmm. think, you know, if this was today, 15 years later, like you can't put a smartphone next to her and expect her to watch a video off of it. You would still have to have an old TV and a VHS tape so she understands like the the mechanism. Right. But she watches the video. She goes up on deck. Adam Sandler's there. Her dad is there. Her daughter is there, which I have to imagine that was a very troubling time when she woke up pregnant every day <laughs> for for nine months. Right. Absolutely. But uh, but yeah, and I, I mean, at the end of the movie. I was really conflicted. I didn't know what to do. What did you think about her dad's her dad as a character? I liked him. I did too. I liked her dad. I did too. He was believable, reasonable. You felt the weight of what had happened. You would, you know, he probably felt guilty somewhat. He was driving the car when they were in the accident. I I liked his character. The lengths he goes to to make her happy every day right. at basically at the expense of his own life is really right. touching. They watch that same like Vikings game that they pop in, which I don't know about the whole the whole like pretending it's the same day sort of thing. Yeah, I actually think Adam Sandler he had the best the better he had a idea. point. Right, exactly. Yeah, like what what they were doing was probably not helpful or sustainable. Which again, it's like, man, Adam Sandler actually had the better idea of what to do with them. <laughs> right. So anyway, okay. The, yeah. This gets me to like deeper conversations about the premise of this movie. And I want to hear your thoughts. Is it possible to have a relationship with someone who resets every day, not knowing who you are at all? Is that possible? I don't know. I mean, they, they, they talk about it in flowery language. Like you make her fall in love with you every day. Uh, I'm betting someday she doesn't fall in love with you. <laughs> right. And, and she clearly didn't, you know, there were times where he tried using the same method to have breakfast with her and it didn't work. Like, she didn't react the same way. Oh, are you from a country where it's okay to stick your fingers all over someone else's food? Which I felt was real. You know, that was good. Right. With the whole videotape thing, I mean, I guess it depends on the person. It seems like for her, that convinced her every day. And I guess if you have footage of the person 
maybe even footage of the person talking themselves saying, mm-hmm. this is my husband and this like, maybe, but I can't imagine like you would feel weird. Like if you were Drew Barrymore and you see this child that you have no connection with. Right. And a man that, that you don't even recognize seems like a complete stranger. It would seem like that would be really difficult for her. They did a throwaway line at some point in time, like there can't be a future or with me because like, what am I going to do? Like wake up and I'm pregnant or wake up and like, yeah, yeah. Or, or he says like, she'll wake up and she's 20 years older or whatever. Right. Those are legitimate things. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not sure if those are things you're like, love will sustain you <laughs> all the way through that. I don't know. I mean, it was, it was kind of touching to do, to realize Adam Sandler did literally have to choose her every day. Yes. Because there, any day if he wanted to split, she wouldn't be hurt. She wouldn't know the difference. Exactly. You know, so he could have stopped any day and it would have been fine. So it, it almost seems like it made me believe him. Yes. And how he felt about her. But it was, it was harder to get on board with Drew Barrymore coming around to loving him so quickly every day. Like that was right. But I guess then they did phrase her character as just like such a, a great kind of free spirited. Yeah. Bright, and sunny, intelligent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That witty seemed like, okay, she's the kind of person who could just like, yeah, I'll roll with this. I got a 10 year old daughter. I just think I'm okay. I'm a little bit of cold water on this movie. The final yeah. scene of them on a boat, the idea of waking up video or not, and you are trapped right. in a frozen tundra world in the middle of a boat is probably not the place <laughs> I want to wake up with no memory of how I got there. Yeah. Like the kind of freak out you could have on a boat. Right. Well, maybe that's why they brought her dad along. <laughs> they might have thought that out. Hey, I didn't kidnap you. I promise. We're <laughs> right. married. Right. Here's your daughter. Maybe. But again, one day her dad is not going to be around. You know, I thought that'll be a tougher sell you know Oof. yeah the, these mornings don't get any easier so i don't know i'm i'm very conflicted about this movie let me ask you just a quick romance corner did you believe their relationship at times during the movie <sighs> at times yes but it's so hard for me to make the jump from oh you guys are going on a bunch of first dates which i think is kind of cute and like yeah you like right. each other Versus you are married now and have a kid. Like, that is a stretch that I couldn't quite get to that level of romance. I think just from the reset, they do have uh, some chemistry together. I will have to admit, like, yeah, they are good together, but there are so many unfunny parts as well. Like, yes. I believe that romance, and then it's followed by Rob Schneider. Ugh. Okay. Should I go first? Yes. Please do. I'm going to rate this movie on a scale of zero to five waffle pyramids. Mm. Because in the first scene, Adam Sandler sees Drew Barrymore creating a waffle pyramid. And our new multi-level marketing scheme. Mm. You know what? I didn't even think about it. Climb the waffle pyramid. Perfect. Um, to please our listeners and to make it easier on myself, I'm going to rate this on a whole scale even though I'm really tempted to split it. Uh-huh. I'm going to give this movie... Nope, I'm going to do a decimal. I have to. The, three is too high. Yep. Two is not high it's enough. It's too low. 
I'm going to give it right down the middle. Two and a half waffle pyramids. I know it feels like a cop-out to go right down the middle, but I think if you are looking for a romantic comedy and you've exhausted all the popular rentals on iTunes, <laughs> maybe you should check it out. Like This might, I don't know, get you and your significant other to, to talk about an issue. And you might actually laugh for a moment. Talk about their short-term memory loss? Well, you know, like I think there's like a legitimate, what would, would it you, look like? Would you choose me every day sort of thing? What? Yeah, what would it look like? You know, because there's that, Maya Rudolph is in this movie for 10 whole seconds. Oh, man. And it's actually kind of a funny scene, though, where Drew Barrymore is saying like, yeah, he just does this every day. And she slaps her husband and she's like, you don't even hold the door for me anymore. Right. And it's, it's a funny line, but also kind of real. Like, wow, you know, what would it look like? If if you are married and each spouse chooses the other every day, you know, and, uh, you know, Drew Barrymore is charismatic and funny. I think she makes up for some of the Adam Sandler problems in the movie. Right. So I don't know. I had a two and a half, two and a half waffle pyramids for me. Whew. What do you say? I'm going to go with a two. I think I think I was leaning towards two and a half, two. I think Drew Barrymore makes this movie. True. I think you could place anyone else around her, and the the concept is kind of interesting enough. Yeah. And like misting up when she's like realizing her life is kind of not what she thought it was. A sham. A sham. This is a sham. Yeah. I think Adam Sandler. Like this is a what's it called? Happy Madison production, like an Adam Sandler thing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so like he surrounds himself with his buddies and the people that he thinks are super funny. So they're all right. there from all these different movies. That's fine, but it's just constantly reminded this is an Adam Sandler movie. Right. Um, and it, that kind of takes me out of like the actual story, these ridiculous characters. Although they like there are every once in a while funny moments, but there are so many swings and a miss from the comedy yes. department. Yeah, true. Or just mm. comedy that hasn't aged well, maybe. I mean, I really was ready in the first 45 minutes to give this movie a .5 or a 1. Right. Because right. it was that bad at the beginning. Until it captured your heart a little bit. Yeah, I feel like if they would have gotten back and like rewritten the first half, this could be like a legitimate classical yeah. Yeah, romance absolutely. comedy. You know? If you want to watch this movie with your significant other and you want to have like those discussions that what 50 First Dates would do, I would say I would rather you watch The Vow with Rachel McAdams, <laughs> which will give you... Which will give you the same amnesia like questions and what would you do for me? So if you're gonna, if you want it for that, if you want something with comedy, uh, there are ten funnier romantic comedies out there. But if you're a big Drew Barrymore fan or, alas, a Adam Sandler fan, <laughs> if you love The Wedding Singer, you're gonna love Fifty First Dates. Well, let's do our quick top five. Which our top five is our. <laughs> Worst five movies that we have reviewed on this very podcast. Mm. Worst. So number one, just to be clear, is the worst movie. The we've worst. Done, correct. Yes. Gotcha. I have one honorable mention: Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I feel like it wasn't bad enough to put in my top five, but I do remember it is not great. So I will. I will add that as an honorable mention for me as well. I. It's not in my top five, but I think it belongs in an honorable mention. All right, well, my number five, and this is a tough one because it's a disaster movie, but I'm putting Geostorm as my number five. Mm-hmm. It was not, not a good movie. 
even though the subject matter is one of my favorites, <laughs> the end of the world. Uh, it is not, uh, it is not good. Number five, worst movie. That is fantastic. My number five is Geostorm as well. Oh man. I wonder if on this 50th episode, we might have a similar top Full five. synergy. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> okay. Well, my number four is our very first movie ever reviewed. Mm. The Circle with Tom Hanks. It was not a good movie, and I would not want to watch it again. That is correct. What about you? My number four is a movie we did somewhat recently, Venom. Really? It is a movie I do not want to watch again. It is a movie that has stuck with me in a ugh sort of way. Mm. Whatever that is, whenever you write out ugh, that's what Venom is to me. You know, you... uh. We had some listeners that actually reached out and they said they, they really liked that movie. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, my number three is one of our earlier movies, Gods of Egypt. Another Gerard Butler movie. Was not crazy about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bad one. Did not make my top five. Okay. Because my number three is Armageddon. What? Yep. Oh, Nate. Armageddon. Again, I hadn't seen the whole thing when it first came out, and you wanted me to see it, and we saw it, like we saw that and Deep Impact back to back. That's true. I found Armageddon horrible. Number three, horrible. <laughs> All right. Well, my number two, Pacific Rim Uprising, mm-hmm. the sequel. It was really, really bad. And as much as I like big robots and big monsters fighting, the terrible dialogue and poor plot stuff is just terrible. It's my number two. Yep. That was a bad one. My number two is The Circle. Mm, up there. Yep. That's up there for you. It was bad. But it's redeemed by the fact that it was our first episode. Right. And that's how this whole right. crazy ride started. Mm, so guy. it gets a bump in my mind, but still not a good movie. Well, Nate, I'm really hoping our number one is the same. Oh, it is. It definitely is. Despite my love for this movie and all the pairs of rose-colored glasses stacked on top of each other. The 1998 Matthew Broderick Godzilla. (laughs) It's the worst movie I think we've reviewed on this show. Agreed out of 50 (laughs) episodes, Godzilla (laughs) was the worst. I never want to have to watch that movie again. Yeah, as much as I loved it as a kid, it was terrible. Terrible movie. Really, really bad. Well, we agree. We've done it. Well, Nate, happy anniversary again. Happy anniversary. Mott's family. Mott's fam. We'll be looking for the sapphire sea slugs all the way up to the emerald elephants in the coming weeks. Thank you for listening this past year. And although we have tasked you going forward, we cannot say how thankful we are that you have jumped aboard for this first year that's right it's been fun thank you for your comments your feedback your listenings your laughs your candor that's right and uh, we hope to do uh, many more absolutely and as steven always says at the end of our episodes what do i always say all right thank you for coming (laughs) (laughs) got it Improv Master Stephen Robles, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>